The title for today, well, we're Romans 8, 18 to 25, but the title is An Encouraging Word. An Encouraging Word. Now, if you don't need encouragement, you probably should just sneak out, you know. You know, when I start to pray here in a minute, just sneak out. It's okay. You don't need it. I get it. But just in case you need some encouragement, you're going to get it. All right? Uh, it, it, it seems like the world's going crazy, doesn't it? Going crazy. We all feel it. The USA is disintegrating before our very eyes. We've already talked about Romans 1. If you missed that, go back and listen. Uh, we know why it's happening. But Romans 8 is God's word of encouragement. After we went through Romans 1 and you've survived Romans, you know, different uh, Romans 3, uh, we get to Romans 8 and it's God's word of encouragement that we, that we can be encouraged no matter what we are facing in our life. No matter what we're going through, and I know many of you are facing trials by fire. Trials by fire, I know it. That's why Romans 8 is so vital. Romans 8 is so vital to grasp by faith. By faith. In Romans 8, we already saw that there's no condemnation. Remember, no guilt trips. We start out with that. And if you've missed any of these, they're all on, you look on the bulletin. There's where you can catch up on all of them. Different sites, our podcasts and YouTube and all that. Yeah, but, but Romans 8, no condemnation, no guilt trips. We don't have to worry about that. Then we saw after that in Romans 8, we also saw the key to spiritual victory, which is by living by the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, good. We should know that from the book of Acts, right? And today you're going to get even more encouragement. Uh, in fact, I've titled this, as I said, an encouraging word. And don't miss the next two times, the next two Sundays, because uh, it's going to be the whipped cream and the cherry on top. All right. It gets better and better. Let's enjoy this. All right. Let's enjoy it. There could be some more hard chapters in Romans, but let's enjoy chapter eight because it's there for a reason. All right. We're going to see that there's no way we can lose next time. And then the time after that is guaranteed victory. Romans eight. You're going to just want to camp out in Romans eight. Right. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the worship. We thank you for each person who's here. We know it's not an accident that every one of us is here. Even those watching somewhere or listening somewhere or listening at some point, there's no accident, Father, that your Holy Spirit wants to do something in our lives, in our hearts. And Lord, if anybody's never put their faith in Jesus, they've never taken that step of faith, that today would be that day. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, this is, here we go, the encouraging word. I'm going to read it off the screen here so I make sure I get the right version here. But uh, starting with verse 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation was subject, uh, sorry, for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. The creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that creation the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time not only so but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship the redemption of our bodies for in this hope we were saved but what But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. An encouraging word. Here we go. This is, this is, this is good. Uh, encouragement number one. We're only going to get through two. You're going to have to wait till next week. There's just too much. Encouraging number one, verse 18, where it says, 
I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Memorize that one. Encouragement number one is our future glory. You are probably here with lots of problems, struggles, trials. If you're breathing, you have that. All right? That's, that's a guarantee, right? Uh, the Apostle Paul sure was. He wrote these words through the Holy Spirit's leading. He was beaten, stoned, shipwrecked and stranded, in prison most, most of his ministry. And all he had to look forward to was being beheaded. That was his release, right? Uh, that, think what, but look what kept him going and should encourage us. It's our future glory. Put up verse 18 back up there. Keep that up there. It's our future glory. That's what should keep us going. That's what should encourage us is our future glory. If, if this is it, if this earth is it, if people who think that, I hope nobody here thinks that, but I know a lot of people think this is it, you know, uh, die and the worms take over, right? If, if, if we think this is it, no wonder the nation is turning into a country of stoners, right? No wonder. If I didn't know Jesus, I'd do it too. No wonder so many are committing suicide. I know it's painful to even mention. Or, or turning to turning to youth in Asia to get out of this mess. Uh, I don't know if you've been following the story in Canada, but I'll just read you a couple of things from Canada. Canada, euthanasia is now a leading cause of death in Canada only a few years after being legalized. Well, first of all, you know who runs Canada. I'd be tempted myself. But anyway, uh, you... We're not much. I'm not going. I'm not going there. Okay, euthanasia became a legal option for Canadians 18 years and older in 2016, who have to prove suffering from a severe pain and have a reasonable, reasonably foreseeable death, as well as two doctors signing off on the decision. The practice is not only legal in seven countries, as well as some parts of Australia, uh, but it's, but Canada and has is the most expansive law yet. And it's set to become even more broad next year. Now any adult with a serious disease or mental health reason can seek euthanasia, according to what Canada is trying to do. The policy is also creeping forward to encompass the mentally ill, the poor, and soon children, with some experts saying that the law is going too far. Some saying that. Uh, the law is probably the biggest existential threat to the disabled people since the Nazi pro- program in Germany in the 1930s, says Tim Stanton, director of the Canadian Institute for the Inclusion and Citizenship uh, at, the British Com- at the British Columbia. He's saying this is they're threatening people who, have, who are challenged in any way. Other countries where euthanasia is legal have certain safeguards, such as prohibiting doctors from mentioning it as a treatment option, wink, wink, or for patients or requiring them to exhaust all other treatment options before turning to euthanasia as a last resort. Can- sure. Canada has no such guardrails. The broad eligibility has led to more than 10,000 Canadians being euthanized in the most recent year for which the data is available, making it the sixth leading cause of death in the country. Some disabled Canadians are choosing to be euthanized, not because of their disability, but because of mounting medical costs. We, we know where this is all headed, don't we? We know, we know. The United States, the United Nations has raised concern with Canada's government about the euthanasia policy 
independent experts continue to call for more restrictions, but the government is pushing ahead, insisting it's, the aim is to help Canadians die with dignity if they so choose. It's coming here. It's coming to the whole world. Why? Because people want out. They're hopeless. They're hopeless, and they want out. But we as Christians, and I'm giving you a contrast here, we as Christians have hope. The glory that will be revealed in us. That's our hope. What is our future glory? What is it? What is our future glory? It's heaven someday, right? It's the second coming or the rapture, whichever comes first or however they come out. We're not going to get into that today. But, you know, the rapture or the second coming, uh, getting to heaven one way or another, that is our future glory. In First Thessalonians four fifteen to 18, it says this. And we end, I, might, I have a connect the dots group, a, a, you know, a, a Bible study every other week at my house on Sunday nights. And we always end with these verses because it gives us some hope after all that's going on in the world. But listen to what he says here. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead will ri- in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. What are we looking forward to? Being with Jesus again, right? And and, and what it's showing is that those who are already passed away, those who are already in heaven, the spirits are in heaven, are with Jesus, those people are already there. Remember Jesus said to the thief, today you will be with me in paradise. They're already there, but they don't have their resurrected bodies yet. When Jesus comes again, that's when those people are going to get their resurrected bodies, coming down in the air, going to get that new body. And at the same time, we will get a new body too, if, if we're still alive. We're still alive here. We're going to get a new body at that same time. First Corinthians fifteen fifty one says this. It says, Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash and the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Amen. Amen. At that very, in a flash, in the twinkle of an eye, we will be changed. We're going to get our new body at the same time. What will our future bodies look like? What will they look like? We don't know. We don't know. But they will be glorious. Future glory. They will be glorious. That's what we're looking forward to, that future glory. In First John 3, 1, it says this. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We can't look at Jesus now burn our eyes out. Our minds would explode, right? You can't look on God in his glory right now. But the time will come when we are going to be able to see him because we're going to have a new body and sin's going to be wiped out. And we, these new bodies are going to be glorious. Why are they going to be glorious? Because we're going to be just like Jesus. Whatever he's like, we're going to be like. We're going to have that new body. You may be old and in pain today. Uh, don't worry. A trade-in is on the way. 
You're going to be able to trade in the old model and get a brand new one. All right. <laughs> I see some of you clapping. Yes. Uh, all right. All right. You may be sick. You may be sick and even dying. We have people in our church that that are facing death at this moment. But you're going to be healed in heaven. You're going to be healthy there. You might not like the way you look. No worries. You're going to get a new face and a new body. All right. That's right. You're going to you're going to get a new face. You're going to look like Jesus. We're going to look like him. We're going to be able to recognize who we are, but it's going to be radiant. You know, it's going to be glowing. It's going to be unbelievable. Doesn't matter what we look like on this earth. We're going to look beautiful. We're going to look like Jesus. Uh, that's what we look forward to. You know, a lot of people who don't have this hope, you know what they're turning to is crazy. Cryonics. Have you heard of cryonics? Where you freeze the person and, and you hope that they, you know, bring them back someday. They, people really do this. You know, they spend a lot of money on this. And <clears throat> it's kind of expensive, so now they've taken the just taking the heads off and freezing the head, just the head, because they fear someday they'll get a new body and they'll put it on, it'll be healthy, and they'll just re, you know, get the, the head going. This has been going on for a long time, by the way. It's, it's a big deal. Uh, it, and so, in fact, there was a guy a couple, a few years back, he got arrested because he, he wanted to make sure, he, he actually took his mom's head off while she was still alive. Because he wanted to be, he wanted to be fresh, you know, and he wanted, he wanted a good mouth. So he froze it, he got arrested, put in jail. Listen, I, I don't know about you, but I want a new head. I want a new head. And if you, if I, if anybody, if I ever brought back, revived, you know, uh, you revive this head, the first thing I'm going to do is going to bite you. I'm going to bite you. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to be brought back. Don't you dare. All right. Speaking of face and body, <laughs> having a little fun here. All right. Speaking of the face and the body too, the face and the body. So many people in our culture, our whole focus is on the outward, right? Whole focus is on the outward. Uh, the gym is their church. The their bodies are their idols. Their their priest is the plastic surgeon. Their best friend is the plastic surgeon. You know, uh, you, should, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised a lot of these people invite the, the plastic surgeon over for Thanksgiving coming up here. You know, they've already carved them up like a turkey. You know, it's like it's like you know, it's it's crazy what people are doing. Crazy what people are doing. It's crazy. You know what the end result of making your body, your God, your idol? Do you know what the end result is? I'm going to tell you how to find it. Go dig up a dead body. One that's been there 20, 30, 40 years. Dig it up and look at it. That will be your idol someday. Every one of us. That's what we're going to be. I'm not saying we shouldn't take care of ourselves. Not saying we shouldn't do that. First Timothy 4.8 says this. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. So there is some value. I, hey, I stay in shape. You probably already know that. You can probably already tell that. <laughs> what? It wasn't a joke. I was serious that time, Evan. All right. I do the grandpa workout. I got almost nine grandchildren. We got another one, uh, Josh and Tatiana. Uh, no, 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 no. I, I'm, I'm spreading rumors. No, no, no. It's blurring. Matthew and Juliana expecting that little girl. So, you know, so that would be number nine. But I do the grandpa workout. 
grandparents were out. Pick me up, pick me up, Poppy. You know, pick, carry me, Poppy. You wouldn't believe how far I've carried some of these kids. The creek and back is crazy. Uh, or I do the, you know, pushing them on the stroller. I have three of them in the stroller, and then Laurel's walking along. You know, who's seven? She's like, Dad, I'm getting tired. I've walked a couple miles because we do long walks. And then he's, okay, she climbs up on the bar. Now I have four of them, and I'm really tired. And I'm not kidding. It's a workout. I'm telling you, I get workouts. And I, and I, sometimes I'll say. Laurel, do you know how to dial 911? I'm not, and I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I, what would you do if I just like fell down? Because I feel that, you know. I, what would you do if I fell down? She goes, well, I would, could you use my phone? She goes, I don't need to. We're right by the fire station. She goes, I'm just going to run over to the fire station and, and tell them, come on over. I go, okay, good. You got it figured out. Good, good, good. Uh, but, you know. One time I said to Emily, uh, I said to Emily, she went walking with us, and I was pushing the kids. I was really feeling it. Don't worry, I just got my heart checked out because I was feeling so much. I'm totally fine. I'm just old. And uh, it's, uh, how you feel when you're older? And, and, uh, and so I said to Emily, Emily, ju- I just want you to know because you're with me because I was kept stopping and breathing. I said, if, if I were to, like, die right now, have a heart attack and die. She goes, what's happening? Goes, Nothing's happening. But if I were, I just want you to tell everybody I died really happy. I'm having a great day. This is a time of my life. Grandchildren, walking hills. I was really serious. I go, if anything ever happened, you just tell everybody he died happy. He's with his grandchildren and having a great day. It was just a beautiful day. So anyway, uh, you know, so I stay in shape. I stay in shape. But what, what should our priority be? Verse 8. Physical training is of some value, but godliness. The godly workout has value for both the present life and the life to come. That should be our, our priority. Godliness. That's what's going to last. Is our, our, is godliness. Uh, 1 John, uh, that, that godliness, 1 John 3, 1 to 2, which we already did, says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is it did not know Him. Here we go. Dear children, not, dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when he, Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And here we go. All who have this hope in, them, in him purify themselves, just as he is pure. Purifying ourselves. That, that, is the, that is what we're called to do, that godliness that lasts, that purifying ourselves spiritually. The inside is what lasts. It, for every hour you spend in the gym, you better spend two hours, you know, the inside, right? And, and they're both important, but one's way, way, way more important. Now, back to Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Our encouragement. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Our encouragement is our future glory with Jesus Christ. That's our encouragement, our future glory. There is no comparison with what we're going through right now, no matter how bad it is. There's no comparison with what our future glory is. Every time you struggle, and this is the key, every time you struggle, compare it. Wait, say, this is what I'm going through now, bad. This is where I'm going, really good. And you compare it, and it's now and later. Always, you remember those candies, now and later? Well, now, do that with, with, with what you're going through, now and later. Now versus later. There's no comparison. And then we have to focus on that later. Focus on the eternal glory that Paul is talking about here. Our eternity with Jesus Christ in heaven. And also, this is important, not just that, but focus how the trials are preparing 
preparing us for that next life. For that extension, that eternal life. Focus on that. That's the key. Because what do trials do? Trials wean us off of this world. And we need to be weaned off of it, don't we? Constantly, we're like, you know, enamored by something, you know, who's focused on something. Trials are to remind us that this isn't it. God is weaning us off of this world and making us more like Jesus Christ right now. He's preparing us for heaven. The more we're like Christ now, the more prepared we are for heaven someday. That's how he's, what he's using these trials for. And second, Corinthians 4.17, when Apostle Paul wrote this, he said, For our light and momentary trials, <laughs> this is the guy being stoned, till death, somehow he came back, right? Went back into the city, kept preaching, you know, remember Acts? For our light and momentary trials are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. They're achieving something. God, just like a coach puts you through a hard workout because he's trying to get you to a place where you can run fast or swim fast or, you know, score a goal, whatever. You, put, you, you, you work out till you can't take it anymore. He's preparing you for the competition. He's preparing you for a goal. And that's what God does. He puts us, remember, we talked about the pure joy. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Remember, but in James, when he talked about that, James 1, 2 to 4, for me, uh, so God is using this workout in this life to prepare us for heaven, to make us more like Christ, to make us depend on God's mercy and grace. That's, that's that much more. And that's our hope. And that's our hope, that that's what God is accomplishing in our life. That is our hope. And not just our hope, but all of creation has the same exact hope. Did you know that? All of creation has this hope. Even the animals can't wait. Did you catch that when we're reading this? Even the animals can't wait. I, I'm so sad when I see animals suffer. I hate anybody suffering. But, you know, when animals suffer, it's so sad. You know, we lose a pet, it dies. We're so sad, right? Oh, why do they suffer? Well, Paul just had talked about it. So look at verse 19. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. Creation is waiting for the second coming. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the, chil- of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Wow. You catch that? Verse 19. Let's read verse 19 again. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. Creation itself is waiting for Jesus to come again. Did you know that? In verse verse 22, I'm going to read that one again. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Why is there suffering? We talked about this the last couple weeks. Why is there suffering? It's our sin. Why is why is the animal kingdom suffering? It's because of our sin. It's, it's because of us. It's the effect of sin. The, the environmentalists, the extreme ones, and the animal rights activists should turn to Jesus. If they want to solve the problems with the planet and for the animals, they should turn to Jesus. The planet Earth is a mess because of our sin. 
That is the real pollution. That's the ultimate pollution. It's our sin. You, 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 survival of the fittest with the animals. What do animals do? They kill each other and eat each other and get eaten by something else. It's our fault. I watch a lot of animal shows. Laurel's that crazy about animals so almost every night we watch something about animals and it's fun to watch all these different it's amazing what's going on in nature and what they've discovered now but but most of them end with something getting killed you know which is hard and laurel's like that's okay dad because i'm upset that's okay they've got to eat they've got to eat you know i go yeah i know but i hate to see it you know and so that's her that's her answer to me every time they've got to eat uh and but she's she's upset too but but the poor animals you know what? They're, they are waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. When? At the second coming. And someday after he comes, there's, we know there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. In fact, Isaiah 11, 6-9 talks about this. Look at this. The wolf will lie with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Whoa. The zoos are going to be closed. No zoos. Laurel can't wait. We talk about this all the time. She can't wait. She's got all these plans, which animals she's going to play with. She likes cobras. That's her favorite thing. You're going to get to have a cobra. Yes, yes, yes. And and sometimes she'll say, um, do animals go to heaven? And I'm fine. No, the Bible says they don't have souls. You know, they, they, they don't go to heaven. And there won't be any animals in heaven except for the supernatural horses, right? That revelation, Jesus riding back on a white horse and the saints with him. There can be supernatural horses. They're, they're in heaven at least for a short time. But there, I always tell her, but there will be animals on the new earth. And, and they may not be just like your, your bunny, but they're gonna look just like it. You're gonna have, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna have your own pets that will never die at some point. And they'll always be there with you. And, uh, so, so anyway, that's a, that's a throw in. Uh, now back to the human race. Back to the human race. And our hope. The first hope is our future glory. The second encouragement, this is far we're gonna get today. The second encouragement that the Holy Spirit gives us in this passage, the second one, is verse 20. In verse 23, not only so, but we ourselves who have the, the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. Now, we're waiting for the redemption, but the adoption has already happened. We talked about that last week. The adoption has already happened. Uh, last week in verse uh, 15, remember uh, Romans 8:15, we talked about the assurance of adoption. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. That's what we already have been adopted. We 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 can call God. The word there is Abba, is Daddy. Remember we talked about that, the Aramaic Daddy, Papa. It's intimacy. And don't forget that today we also talked about. Adoption too. Did you catch it? First John 3 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. 
And that is what we are. That's what God's love has accomplished, our adoption. We can be called his children. Uh, that's a great song. Uh, the King James Version has a great song. Uh, did you ever do that one? Behold what manner of love? Uh, I'll try it. Yeah. Yeah, around. It goes around. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. That we should be called the sons of God. That we should be called the sons of God. And that's what that song is talking about, that very verse that we've been adopted. It's a round. It's really, really a beautiful round. Uh, uh, I'm not going to do the round, but anyway. The, uh, so verse 15 talks about our adoption, and then the Holy Springs up our, Holy Spirit brings up our adoption again here in verse 23, and now he's going to really drive it home. Not only so, but we who are ourselves who have the, the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we eagerly as we wait eagerly for adoption, the sonship, the redemption of our bodies. We've already adopted, but the culmination, the realization of that is at the redemption at the second coming. Okay? He really drives it home here. The word for adoption. Now, we talked about adoption last week, but the word for adoption is a legal term. A legal term. I called my son Matthew to make sure I'm saying this kind of right, because uh, I've been a few years and he's an expert with the, with the Greek now. But um, it's... Huithasayan. I said it right. Huithasayan is the word, and it, it's hui, hui, uh, the beginning is huias, which is son, but then it's talking about, uh, the, the rest of it is the placing of a son. The placing of a son. It's a legal term in the Greek here, and it's talking about adoption. Adoption, okay? Uh, it was, adoption was very common in the Greek and Roman culture. Very, very common. And it guaranteed full rights and inheritance to the, the son who was adopted. And, the na- and when it happened, the natural father now had no say in that son's life from that point on. No more say. Nothing. Done. And this was very, very common because parents all wanted their kid to be adopted by some rich or famous person. They would you know, let them be adopted. Uh, so w- this is exactly what God did to us. We are adopted. This was a legal act of God. We became children of God. When did this happen? When does this happen? John 3.3. 3. In John 3.3 3, it says this, in reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. The word literally means in the Greek, born from above. But the idea is you're born spiritually this time. You were born physically, now you're born spiritually. And he goes on to explain that to Nicodemus, okay? And, and he, we, we, when we are born again, we are born spiritually into God's family. If you have ever... Put your faith in Jesus. At that time in your life when you say, God, I believe Jesus died for my sin. I repent of those sins. I, want, I believe he died for my sin. I put my faith in him. I give my life to Jesus. The moment you take that step of faith, you are born again. You're a brand new person in Jesus Christ. Have you done that? I'm going to give you a chance in just a few minutes. All right? And our and our former and once this happened, our former father now no longer has any say in our life. Nothing. Who is our former father? Yeah, exactly. John eight forty four. Jesus lays it out. He said, "You belong to your father, the devil." Talking to people who hadn't 
Pharisees, but people who hadn't put their faith in him, said, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. We belong to our father, the devil. That's we belong. Everybody likes to say, you know, you got to say this to be politically correct. We're all children of God, you know, and and we we're all God's children, and God is all of our Father. It doesn't matter who you pray for to. You can pray to this rock, this tree, anything. It doesn't matter. You could be a Wiccan. You can anything. But you, we're all children of God. Uh, that's not what God's word says. Oh no, 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 no. If we're not a Christian yet, listen, Satan is our father. He was that way for all of us. Now, I'm not picking on anybody. We all were there, right? And not only our father, but he was also our God. Second Corinthians 4, 4 says this. The God of this age, talking about Satan, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Also in Ephesians 2, In Ephesians 2, verse 1, As for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are are disobedient. We all followed Satan. That's what we did until we were born again. But the moment we put our faith in Jesus Christ, in his death on the cross for our sin, in his resurrection to justify us and give us a brand new life, the moment we do that, the Holy Spirit comes in and we're no longer belonging to Satan at that point. We have now been adopted by God. The Holy Spirit has come in and we are a new person. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. We become a brand new creation. We have been adopted by God. And we are now God's children. And we are guaranteed an eternal inheritance from that point on. How can we be sure that we're going to get this inheritance? How can we be sure that we've been adopted? How can we be sure that we have future glory with God someday? How can we be sure we're going to get a new body and and, and, and a new face and, and uh, be a brand new person? How can we be sure? We have a we have a deposit. What's our deposit? It's not in the bank. It's not in the bank, hopefully. It's not in stocks. <laughs> it is in Second Corinthians five five. In Second Corinthians five five, now it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. What's our guarantee? What's our deposit? The Holy Spirit. He put his Holy Spirit. He put his own spirit in us. God the Spirit is living in us. That's what we have. And that's what gives us hope. The Holy Spirit is our deposit. That's what gives us hope. We've been adopted. That's what gives us hope. Back to Romans 8, 23 to 25. Look at what he, read now. Read this again now. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the, the first fruits of the Spirit... Grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. Anybody groaning out there? It's hard here. But look what we look forward to. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. That's what gives us hope. 
That's what we can. That's why we have help, no matter what we're going through. And listen, I I know what you're going through. And some things nobody knows what you're going through. Only you know the pain you're experiencing. And but what gives us hope? Future glory and our adoption. Our adoption. I want to close with a, this story. Years ago, I read it in a magazine. Uh, I, I still. I, it's just a wild story. It was called "The Orphan and the Legionnaire." The orphan and the legionnaire, and it was a, a French Foreign Legion soldier was in a Rwanda working. At, uh, was I'm sorry, he was in Zaire, but he was working in a Rwandan uh, uh, refugee camp there in Zaire. That was his job, and it was brutal. He had been all over the world. He said, "I'd never seen anything like what I saw with this Rwandan refugee camp. It was just." Brutal. You remember all that happened in Rwanda. He, they were, they were just. He said most. Our main job was burying bodies. And one, one day they were pushing bodies into this mass grave with a bulldozer to bury it. And he saw one of the one of the little kids' arms move. He said, "Stop! Stop! Cut the engine!" And and he said, "I saw somebody move." He went in there and he uncovered this kid was still barely alive. He was bleeding because he had a big gash on his forehead. He was covered in filth. He was, he was dehydrated. He was emaciated. He was a walking skeleton. That's all he was. And, and the, the workers, the Zairean workers said, don't bother. He's going to die. Just, just leave him. But this guy's something. They said he'll never make it. He couldn't even stand up. He couldn't even drink. They couldn't get him to. He's trying to feed his rat. Nothing. He could do nothing. But but De Silva, the guy's soldier's name was De Silva. He said, "No way. I got this one. There's no accident. I found this kid. We're gonna save him." And he tried feeding him his rations, but the kid wouldn't eat. He just wanted to die quietly. But one of the nurses was watching and said, "Why don't you give him a ride in your jeep?" She, she picked something up. She was smart. So he said, okay, I'll try. He took this skeletal kid and put him on his lap and drove him in the Jeep. And he starts driving around, and the kid lit up. He said he smiled for the first time he had ever seen this kid smile. He lit up. It was unbelievable. And, and then uh, the kid became very attached to him. He started to eat. He started to drink. He became very attached to him, but he's really weak still. But he, but he, he thought he might, he's going to survive, so he gave him his former nickname, the nickname this soldier used to have when he first went into the French Foreign Legion. He named him Angelo, Little Angel. There's news cameras there, and one of the camera guys was taking pictures and saw this bond that this soldier had, this big husky soldier had with this little frail kid. And, and he, he said to him, uh, you know, he was, said, you should try to adopt this kid. He's really attached to you. You should try to adopt him. And the guy was like, well, why not? So he started looking into it, and there's tons of red tape. It was brutal. And the other problem was he hadn't told his wife. <laughs> his she ended up reading about it in the press. <laughs> this is before cell phones. You know, it was a few years back. Uh, it was back like 30 years now, I think. She she read the story in the news. Here's this, this guy going to adopt this kid. She's like, what? <laughs> that's my guy. <laughs> you know, that's my husband. You know, and she was not too happy about that. But but uh, she started to talk to him. He came home for a visit, and she talked to him, and she agreed. But only if we treated this little boy exactly like our boys. He had some older boys already, high school, college. Said only if we treat him exactly. 
Exactly the same. He's our son. And so he went go back. It was a difficult battle. Uh, but but he had all this red tape, just like today, right? All this red tape. But he said, I knew that if we didn't adopt him, I would regret it someday. So he kept fighting this battle, fighting this battle. And at the time I read this article, and I didn't, this was back before all the Internet stuff, uh, he, he still didn't have the little boy. But he was hoping any day. He was like, any day I'm going to get this kid. Any day, any day. I, he said, I see his pictures. And they showed the pictures in the article. It was unbelievable. This, he got the pictures of his son, and, and he was flourishing. He was beautiful. He was all filled out, smiling, glowing. The only way he said I could even tell it was my son was the scar on his forehead. The scar. Angelo's favorite place to play after his dad went back to France was the airport. He just was waiting at the airport, playing at the airport. And he told everybody, I have a father, a papa coming back for me. He drives a Jeep. He told everybody, he found me in the dead people. He found me in the dead people and he took me to the doctor. And he's just waiting for that dad to come back again at the airport, all the time at the airport. The camp was closing, all, all the stuff, and so they wanted to move him to an airport. He goes, I can't go to the airport. I have to, I have to, pa- I'm packing my bags for France. I can't, I mean, I'm sorry, I can't go to the orphanage. I'm packing my bags. I'm going to France. And he said, this is temporary. They took him to the orphanage. He's waiting. And he's, he's waiting on pins and needles. At the end of the article, it said, it's been a long time now since my, he's interviewing him. He said, it's been a long time now since my papa went away. He's getting the papers filled out. Tell him, he's telling this for the news article, tell him that I'm well, that I wash myself, that I do push-ups, that I put on my sweater just like a soldier. It's not hard to see the connection, is it? That's exactly how God found us, exactly what God has done for us. We were dead in our sins. We were as good as dead. We were scarred by sin and by Satan and by the world. We were spiritually emaciated. We were sad. We had no hope. We had no hope. But God rescued us. He adopted us. And now we're living for him. We're getting ready for him. We wash ourselves. We we try to be pure for Jesus. Remember, just as purifies himself just as he is pure. We do our push-ups, spiritual muscle. We're doing our spiritual muscle. We're getting that. Through our suffering and our struggles, we're growing our spiritual muscles. We're getting ready for Jesus to come and get us. And we clothe ourselves. Just as he put on that sweater, we clothe ourselves with Jesus Christ. Do we get to Romans 3.14? Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. And do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. We clothe ourselves with Jesus Christ. And we have hope. The rest of the world is melting down all around us. And it's hard. It's stressful, right? But we have hope. What are we? We're watching the sky. We're waiting for Jesus to come and take us back to the Father. He's coming back again to take us to our Father. We're waiting for that. Do you, do you have that hope?
Those of us who are Christians already, do we, do we realize we're adopted by God? That we, do we realize our position in Christ? Do we go to our daddy whenever we need encouragement? Which should be every second, right? Uh, uh, no matter what we're going through, do you have hope no matter what you're facing today? Not saying you're stress free. I'm saying, do you have hope? Are you looking past the present trial to the future glory? That God is preparing us for is our focus. God, how are you preparing me? Not how can I get out of this, but how are you preparing me for when Jesus comes back again and brings me to you? How, what are you doing? And maybe you hear saying you've never put your faith in Jesus. You don't have that hope today. This life or the next life, you have no hope because you're not adopted yet, but you can be right now. Right now. Would you like to be adopted by God? Would you like to have this hope, the Holy Spirit living inside of you? You can have it, but only through his son, Jesus Christ. Through his death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, that, by putting your faith in what he's done and faith in him, that's the only way. John 1.12 says this, Jesus said, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We have to believe and receive Jesus Christ. How? John 3.16 tells us that. You know I'm going to end with that. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Let's pray. Maybe you're here today or watching somewhere, listening somewhere, and you are not a child of God yet. You've never been adopted. But you can be adopted today, this very second, in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye. You can put your faith in Jesus right now. It happens in our heart, but I always encourage people to to say a prayer of faith just to put an exclamation on it, to be sure of it. The simple biblical prayer of faith. God, I want you to be my father. I want to be your child. And I believe Jesus has made the way. On that cross, Paying for my sin. By his resurrection, promising me a new life. I don't want the garbage anymore. I don't want the sin anymore. I don't want the world's filth anymore. I repent. I walk away from that pile of dead people. I ask you to forgive me. Wash me clean. Make me new. Because I'm putting my faith in your son Jesus. His death, his resurrection, I put my faith, my trust, my hope in Jesus.
I give my life to you, Father. If you have prayed that prayer or you do pray that prayer, then something incredible has happened. God has taken a hold of you, lifted you out of death, and made you a brand new person with His Holy Spirit in you. I want to encourage you, if you've taken that step of faith, to tell somebody today. Maybe you're here with a family member or friend. Tell them. Maybe you have somebody at work you could call who's been praying for you and talking to you, or somebody at school or on your team or a neighbor. Tell them. If you need something to tell, tell me. I'd love to talk to you. On the way out, fill out the card, text me, call me. Tell someone so we can be excited for you and encourage you in your new life in Christ. And for those of us who have put our faith in Jesus, how is the Holy Spirit? We've already put our faith. How is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Maybe you've been crushed by your trials, by temptation, by fear, by depression. our prayer be today, God, I refocus. I know it's going to be hard, but I'm focusing on Jesus. I'm focusing on my future glory. I'm focusing on that I am your child and you have a purpose. You're preparing me spiritually for a life forever with you. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would do that in each of our hearts and lives. We pray that your Holy Spirit would move in a powerful way. In Jesus' name.